We here at the Fumbling Four Network take mental health very serious. If you or someone you know is having thoughts of suicide, please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. If you don't like talking on the phone, you can text or start an online chat. Once again, the number is 1-800-273-8255. Welcome to the Resident Evil Lorecast, the podcast that will explore the various mediums and lore of the Resident Evil franchise, such as the video games, movies, novels, and more. And here are your hosts, Ariel, Daniel, and Aaron. Got something that might interest you. <laughs> Well, welcome back to the Resident Evil Lorecast. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me, as always, is my fellow host, Daniel. Hi there. And a happy birthday to Ariel. Well, I mean... It's after your birthday, but... Yeah, it's after my birthday. <laughs> you, thank you. How was your birthday? It was pretty good. Yeah. It's all right. I got a cake. You did get a cake. I got a whole slice of a cake. A whole slice? <laughs> did. We made you a cake, so... <laughs> Yeah. And she only got a slice of. I only got a slice. Yeah. It's better than none. <laughs> it's my favorite too. Chocolate cake with chocolate icing. And Freddy Krueger scratches through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was great. We, me and the kids went all out, Daniel. Anyway. <laughs> so here we are. T- back to talk some more Infinite Darkness. Episode Trace. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. We're almost there. We are. So, uh, Danny, do you have a synopsis for us? Yeah, it's short. A very very short summary? (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that what summaries are supposed to be? Maybe. (laughs) A person known as Claire discovers a grim scene at the home of one of the last surviving members of the Mad Dogs unit. Shinmei warns Leon about an ominous conspiracy. I think we kind of had Jason warned in the previous episode. Yeah, that's a really trash synopsis. (laughs) You get what you get. <laughs> That's me. All right, Ariel. So what do we got for plot? Let's talk plot. Let's do it. So, a person called Claire <laughs> is continuing her investigation into the use of bioweapons in the Panamstan Civil War and finding out all but two servicemen in the Mad Dogs have recently committed suicide. She heads out to ask one of the remaining vets some questions only to find she is too late hmm. I know it was sad it was sad and then meanwhile Shen Mei abandoned all pretense of continuing her mission and goes instead to her family's mansion outside Shanghai there she meets her grandfather Yuan who has been taking care of her brother who's in a vegetative state Leon, however, has tracked her down and bursts into Jun C's room, having taken their butler, Heo Ran, hostage. At gunpoint, Shen Mei explains the situation Jason was warning him about, but failed miserably to explain. <laughs> so, explained through another flashback, Shen Mei was handling radio communications between Wilson and the soldiers in the city, though was not permitted to respond to the Mad Dog's request for evac. Even when they reported having picked up a survivor from Alpha 2, June C. When they unexpectedly arrived at the base, Shen Mei confronted them, only to find June C alive, but afflicted with cannibal disease. Oh. That's an interesting way to put it. Since then, Shen Mei has been working with Jason, trying to find evidence to publicly out Wilson for conspiring to deploy bioweapons in Panamstan. Though dismissive of Jason, Leon finds Shen Mei more persuasive when she shows him what remains of her brother. In another flashback, seen from Jason's perspective, Night has fallen in Panamstan. The Mad Dogs have been trapped in a building after dragging Jun C out of the wrecked helicopter and are preparing to make a break for the army base carrying Jun C. Suddenly, they hear commotion outside and witness a mob of civilians brutally attacking the insurgents. The mob soon breaks into the building and are wiped out, only after biting the soldiers. Jun C, who is barely conscious, begs for his medication and inhibitor stored in one of his bags, which he says 
is to stop people from turning like them. This reveals to the Mad Dogs the army was aware of such a disease and that soldiers infected by it were sent out on the mission deliberately. Shen Mei continues explaining the situation to Leon. The Mad Dogs files false reports about the incident, though only Jason and Shen Mei were prepared to investigate Wilson while the others were retired out. Shen Mei then used her family connections to have Junsi quietly smuggled out over the Chinese border to escape euthanasia. It's an interesting way to put it, too. After years of investigating, Shen Mei and Jason had, until recently, come no closer to exposing the conspiracy, though a breakthrough has been found with the discovery of a computer chip planted on Junsi when he was infected, which takes biometric data on behalf of the BOW manufacturer, who they may be able to identify. Suddenly, the mansion is destroyed in a bomb blast. The ceiling caves in, crushing Junsi, Heoran, and Yuen. In the Oval Office, final preparations are being made for Graham's speech for the upcoming Panamstam Peace Accords. The speech is inflammatory, accusing China of a plot against the United States and calls for the continued military presence in the region as a bulwark against Chinese expansionism. Ryan is aghast at the speech, and Wilson, who co-wrote it. But Graham sides with the latter due to the evidence they have available. As they head out of the White House, Claire arrives once more, having found a suicide note at the soldier's house. Claire confronts Wilson of his involvement in the use of bioweapons, but got ignored. Leon and Shen Mei stand alone in the ruins of the mansion, though still have the computer chip with them. Shen Mei begs Leon to hand it over to her so the conspiracy can be exposed to the whole world. Leon, however, is unwilling to destroy the United States' reputation in the process. He is instead more concerned about what caused the explosion and deduces that Jason is a mutant and still alive, is planning to conduct acts of terror and revenge for experiences in Panamstan rather than truly seeking justice. So the final part. When Claire returns to her motel, she is attacked by Secret Service agents loyal to Wilson and is tased. Don't tase me. So that is the plot of episode three. Bum, bum, bum. Yes. I have so many thoughts about this. <laughs> but we'll get to those. Hmm. Characters first. Well, usually this is where we do BOWs, but... You're welcome. <laughs> There's none in this episode. One BOW. June C. He doesn't count. <laughs> Afflicted with the cannibal virus. Something. I don't know if that's cannibal that's virus. Fun. So. Characters. Now I'm going to actually go over June C. Oh. This is what I was waiting for instead of last episode. <laughs> so. Jun Si is a Chinese American soldier who is the younger brother of Shen Mei and the grandchild of UN and was serving under Wilson during the Panam Stand Silver War. He and his squad, Alpha 2, were infected with a mutagenic virus that increased their physical strength and combat performance. His team was then deployed to test their performance in the field, but it went awry as the helicopter was shot down and the incapacitated soldiers became zombies. The Mad Dogs, led by Captain Jason, rescued him as the only survivor of the crash. Junsi is heavily injured, and they planned to stealthily bring him back to the base by gagging him, but the squad was then attacked by zombies and choosing to protect his comrades, Junsi gives the squad all of his inhibitors. And then he turns. Junsi's the real hero of this story. Mm-hmm. So, the next one who we see introduced in this is UN. Grandpa. So he's the grandfather of Shen Mei and Junsi, and is the head of a conglomerate in Shanghai. And 
end. Jason contacted him in Padamstan about June C and using his status and connections, UN managed to smuggle him out of the country and to his family's mansion in Shanghai, where he lays in a vegetative state and heavily disfigured. UN has been trying to figure out how to remove the virus that was eating him away. And when the mansion is bombed, UN spent his last moments hugging his grandchild before ultimately, before it ultimately kills him. I know, it was really sad. They're both the true heroes of this entire series. I know. <laughs> Grandpa just wanted to protect his grandson. Sad. So the only other one is Heo Ran, which is just the secretary or the butler of UN who got crushed from the ceiling in the explosion. Literally played the least most important role here. <laughs> right. I hold the door. Hodor? <laughs> no, oh. we're not doing that. Oh. We're not doing oh. that. That's so sad. <clears throat> At any rate, we're done with that. <laughs> yeah, that's... Wow. That's it. Not very much. No. I will say we'll have a lot more discussion when it comes to that point of the episode. But for now, I think it's time we go to a mid-break. <laughs> Well, here we are in the middle of the show, Ariel. <laughs> yes. What do we do? Okay. What do we do? Um, thank our patrons. I was going to say, are you cozy in the middle of the show? Chill sandwich. Is it awful middly in here? Nah. I'm done. I quit. <laughs> I quit. But yes, we do thank our patrons. Like our lovely VIP patrons, Cerberus91, Chaotic Kia, Chris Slate, Christopher Gurley, Donnie Shanks, Naked Mango, Pocket Comet, and William Jackson. We also have to thank our oh-so-lovely all-access patrons, Edward Parks and Remington Cloutier. And our official patrons, Ariel. I'm an official patron? No. Oh. But it's your favorite name. My Afrit, my dog. <laughs> Yes! And Philip A. Halbert. So, thank you to our wonderful patrons for uh, funding this podcast. <laughs> and thank you to our wonderful listeners. Because mm. without you, we wouldn't have a show either. True. Ha hashtag facts. Oh, don't hashtag. <laughs> I will say... Uh, the patrons don't only just allow us to continue doing this show through funding, but it's also fun to have our, uh, you know, patrons on to come and chat with us and do those lovely patron chat episodes. Cause I had a blast the last one we had. Yeah, it was pretty fun. It was great. I can't wait for the next one. <laughs> but with all that being said, that brings us to Daniel. What'd you bring to the mid break? Huh? What? All right. So if you enjoy Resident Evil, which I'd hope you do if you're here. <laughs> I don't, but make me. I'm going to with all these pins you can buy. Oh. So the one I'm on is on Amazon by Zen Monkey Studios. They have a Jill Valentine 25th anniversary pin. So it's got, it's basically a headshot and it's got her in her stars beret. Ooh. Basically. With its own little patch on it that says Stars Raccoon Police Department. But they also have, if you're into Leon, they have a Leon Kennedy pin as well. What? They also have a Chris Redfield, Claire Redfield, Ada Wong, and Albert Wesker. Hmm. So all these are linked to that in the Amazon page for Zen Monkey Studios for the Jill Valentine 25th anniversary pin. Though I would probably choose Jill because they don't have Rebecca on here. Oh boy. Oh gosh. Oh, and it runs 
ten ninety nine a piece. Sorry, ten, I forgot to tell everybody. Ten ninety nine. I don't see. Oh, it's only free delivery if you spend twenty five dollars on Amazon shipped items. Uh, so you better just order three of them. Yeah, you should. And then take pictures and then send us some too, or send us the one you get. I don't care. <laughs> do it. Do it. Do it. That's all I got. I read an article. Oh. Much like I always do. And before I begin this, massive spoiler alert. If you have not played the Shadows of Rose DLC, stop listening right now. All right. With that out of the way, this comes to us from Game Rant, and the title is Resident Evil Village Shadows of Rose could have done more with Rosemary's power. And I couldn't agree more. So Rose's powers are no secret to those who follow Resident Evil Village. The entire premise of Shadows of Rose revolves around Rose trying to get rid uh, trying to rid herself of them. But while Capcom could have given Rose abilities that reflect how strong she is as a character, it seems content with providing her with the bare minimum of superpowers throughout most of the story. Despite her living Despite living her entire life with them, it seems as though Rosemary first discovers her powers at the beginning of the Shadows of Rose story. Which, yeah, that's completely true. Mm-hmm. And trapped in the realm of consciousness and surrounded by face eaters, which, ugh, Rose deflects one of them with a supernatural push, shoving and stunning them. This push becomes the basis for most of the powers throughout the side story and gets more powerful the more amplifiers Rose acquires. The first power is the ability to destroy sclerosha, which are the little bulb things. Uh-huh. And then the next power she gets is the ability to stun enemies or slow them down. And then, you know, it gets, you get more chances to do yeah. it. It goes from like three to four to, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, it's just. You don't really get to experience her powers per se until the end. I know. And what I don't understand with this whole thing is, yeah, like she has been training. She's even said with Chris this whole entire time. So I, I didn't like how it did seem that she's just now discovering her powers and, you know, couldn't run. Yeah. <laughs> If you played it, you know what I mean. <laughs> you can't run. Mm. I mean, you can, but it's like oh, a little snail pace. I feel like they treated her treated her weaker than what she really was throughout the entire DLC. Yeah, and okay, I guess you could try to explain it as she's in the mega consciousness. Things could be different. Okay, I get that, but at the same time... And she's still technically a child. Okay, yeah, but she's also a B.O.W., yeah, that was trained by Chris. <laughs> exactly. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, it was the, don't get me wrong. The DLC was awesome. The whole storyline was awesome. Mm-hmm. That whole thing was awesome. Definitely worth the play. But yeah, I just, I get not starting off strong right away. But it just, I, I don't know. It just seemed like she had no idea what she was doing at all. And that's just the part I'm like, meh, about. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, yeah, it was great. So I guess, end spoiler. End the spoiler here. Yeah. So, uh, on to bigger and brighter things. So, with the holiday season rapidly approaching us, for those of us who celebrate Christmas or really enjoy our really ugly Christmas sweaters, uh, I have something for you. You ready for it? Is it an ugly sweater? It is an ugly Christmas sweater. This comes to us from AnimeApe.com. And it is a Resident Evil You Died ugly Christmas sweater. I want it. (laughs) We have a miscellaneous colors of our herbs on here. We have our greens, reds, blues, yellows, and our purples. We also have our keys and handguns and assorted Resident Evil umbrella logos. And of course, dead center in this lovely little ensemble is the words, you died in dripping blood. 
Yeah, I'm getting this. <laughs> so some quick things to note. The material is high quality polyester. So it's not going to be exactly like those woolly Christmas sweaters that people like to buy. It is going to be of a polyester style material, which is good because it will not shrink when you wash it and it won't crack or flake or anything like that. Like Aaron. Ha ha. So this is a very limited edition design. They have no idea how long they're going to hold it. So if you want one, you best get out and get it now. Okay. <laughs> and they come ranging in size from small all the way to 5XL. And you can buy it right now on the website for a grand total of $54. And if you want, you can go into the show notes and we will have a direct link there for you. It's a nice even round number. It's like the know you, Ariel. This is exactly why I'm going to buy it. <laughs> so uh, note to everybody out there who sells Resident Evil merch, if you want Ariel to buy it, make it an even number. <laughs> Do it. Do it. Do it now. So uh, that is all we have for the middle, middle of the show. I do also believe, Ariel. I have a mustache now. <laughs> what? And on that note, I guess it's not about the end of the uh, bread break. We still have to talk about our sponsor. <gasps> yes, we do. Who's that? I don't know. Oh, you're a liar. Yeah, you're right. They posted a wonderful meme today. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but apparently Daniel did. <laughs> so, if you want a really awesome fucking dice set or dice tray or dice tower, or dice bag, all things dice related, head on over to Metallic Dice Games using our link in the show notes below and it will save you 10% off of dice that you don't have to carve yourself. <laughs> that you don't have to carve yourself. Yeah, that's a little octane joke for you, anybody that listens to the cyberpunk. Cyberpunk. Anyways. So yeah, they're pretty awesome. They have different variety of dice ranging from resin to metal to rubber to whatever wooden mm -hmm. which I, I really do want a wooden set I'm gonna get eventually cause how badass would a wooden set be anyways yeah so make sure you use our link in the show notes to save yourself 10% off of your purchase and also since I'm on a freaking sponsor kick here uh, you need an ocarina because who wouldn't <laughs> want an ocarina I love them. I mean, you're right. I love mine. So head on ever over to STL Ocarina and use our promo code LOZLORE10 and save yourself 10% off your purchase of a freaking sweet Ocarina. And they have more than just Legend of Zelda themed Ocarinas. They have like Dungeons and Dragons. They've got uh, Lord of the Rings. They got a whole bunch of different really badass sets of ocarinas so and you don't just get your ocarina you get a little songbook how to play it guide mm -hmm. stuff like that and for a very reasonable price so yeah head on over there use our promo code lzlore10 and save yourself 10% off so yeah that's our sponsors Whoo, that's a doozy yeah how do you think I feel I'm the one it <laughs> So, I don't know if it's going to continue to be going on right now, by the time this episode posts, but right now as we are recording this, there is a Halloween sale at Metallic Dice Games. You get 20% off additionally, so it's 30% off of the dice. So, if it's still going on, go check it out. Get yourself some really cool dice for super cheap. I thought I'd add that bit in there. Yeah, they have this one called Simmering Coal. Everybody <laughs> look it up because I really like it. <laughs> It is pretty awesome. At any rate, with that being said, this brings us to the end of our mid-break. So here we are at the end of the episode. Sad face. But before we go, we have to have a discussion about this episode. 
And boy, is there a lot to discuss. Do we? Though? We do. do. We do have to. That's kind of the whole premise of the show. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just start from the beginning then. Okay. How about that scene with Claire in the very beginning? So... The vials was a nice touch on the ground. Because you remember in his flashback, he dropped them. Yeah. I liked that that was still a thing in that scene. It's not often that the small details like that are kept in to movies, period, dot. Yeah. I mean, you're right, yeah. I just, I don't know, I guess I just took it for granted because I was like, yeah, those files are there because he dropped them. But I guess I took it for granted. didn't really think of like, oh, well, that's a detail that some people leave out. So. Mm-hmm. I thought... I thought it was sad. I mean, suicide hits close to home. Yeah. For me, I've lost a lot of family members, a lot of dear friends to suicide. So mm-hmm. it was pretty sad for me to see that. Yeah. And... As a vet myself, it's pretty sad to see that that is a common thing happening in our real world today, too. It is. That's very sad. At least they didn't have to worry about turning into zombies afterwards. Yeah, well, I think that's why they did did it the way they did it. Yeah, because I mean... Now that we've talked about this episode and we understand what's going on, mm-hmm. that's why they committed suicide. They were tired of being under Wilson's thumb yeah. and wanted a way out. Now, mm-hmm. to them, that was their way out. Well, yeah, because they, well, they were faced between a rock and a hard place. It was, do we turn him in and then not get what we need? Yeah, and then turn into zombies and kill, you know, whoever's mm-hmm. around us. Yeah, I mean, that is a pretty, pretty tough decision. Yeah, or live under his thumb for the rest of our lives. Like, it's... Bad. Yeah, either way you put it, it's really bad. It's sad, and it is... I will say it was a risk in a multitude of ways for Capcom to take this approach. Yeah, it is a very touchy subject, Mm -hmm. and it does affect, you know... A lot of people. Yeah. It's... I think it was approached in a... Dignified and classy manner. Yeah, I mean, for lack of better words. Yeah. About as dignified and classy as you can, you know, get it. Yeah. And I appreciate that. They they didn't try to spin it into some weird thing. They It just was what it was they were between a rock and a hard place and they felt like there was nothing else to go and you know that's what it was but uh so we don't have to dwell too much on this topic yeah the only thing I want to touch base on with that whole scene is when I first watched that episode I was waiting for something to jump out I mean that is typical Capcom fashion I know I I honestly was I was like Claire's all alone in this uh house you know, and I was waiting for something to jump out. I mean, she did get attacked by a bat. A B.O.W. rat with wings. Oh, my God. I was waiting for something. I was waiting, and it never happened. And then went straight into the freaking intro. I was waiting. So, I mean, and then after that was the whole thing with Shen Mei going to going home so something I found interesting about this whole situation with Shen Mei and her brother is that it, it seems like in the story that they're portrayed as born and raised in China am I getting that wrong or um, I'm not quite sure I mean, it's definitely, uh, definitely the, the grandfather was. Yeah. Now, it could have been 
their parents moved to America. Yeah. And because they are Chinese American. Yeah. So. Well, if they're Chinese American, then, then one parent was American. It never explained it. I didn't find yeah. any information on it. So, uh, yeah, that's that's that. I'm just I'm gonna go ahead and assume that maybe both parents were from China and had immigrated and they were born in the U.S. Both of them. I'm just gonna kind of safely assume that because that the the whole reason this is interesting is because it's interesting that they would allow them to join the military if they were in fact the whole thing I was trying to to get into my head was is that how would the U.S. military allow them to join if they still were considered Chinese citizens because there there, there are immigration processes and stuff in place I'm not going to get super in depth to it but it's one of those things where we don't typically support that you know, for China because of the whole relations thing. Um, and I get it's fantasy, but there still has to be some reality in the fantasy. Yeah, I mean, it's under the assumption that they are American citizens. Yeah, which so makes it all the more interesting. So I really liked the grandfather. I felt like his heart was was in the right place. Oh, yeah. You know, he genuinely just wanted to save Junsi. So he was using all of his money to try to find a way to rid him of whatever virus, you know. Mm-hmm. The, speaking of the virus, the calcified, the calcification, that was a new thing. Yeah, it's very reminiscent of seven and eight. Mm-hmm. Even though technically the virus, the cannibal virus, is the T virus. Yeah. It's weird that it's calcifying the zombies. Unless that's what happens, we just never see it. Because if how long has it been since he got infected long ago and then Mm -hmm. they kept him alive? Right. So maybe it is a step that we just haven't seen. Well, yeah, because the calcification process is... Well, we all know that everything stems from the mold. So it could be a trait they carried over that just never got revealed because, just like Daniel said, nothing's ever lasted long enough to carry anything over. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you never know because it's never specified exactly what virus this is. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you never know. It just says virus or... Cannibal disease. <laughs> what about the chip? I found that interesting. It's different. It's different, but also idiotic. I was going to say very sloppy. It's, yeah, because I get you want to collect data and blah, blah, blah. But if you want this to keep secret, why mm-hmm. the why the fuck would you do that? No Let's put it. a chip in them. <laughs> Umbrella did it better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they would send out. I mean, in all honesty, Umbrella always did it better because they would send out agents or you know field operatives to observe from a distance the BOWs that they're putting into act. Well, even then, they would also like okay, say Umbrella chipped these people, okay? They would also send out operatives to make sure these people are dead and incinerated. Mm-hmm. That these chips are destroyed. Oh, yeah. They would have <clears throat> they would have taken the proper precautions to make sure that, you know, no evidence was found. I don't know if that's true, though. Well, you can assume. That would be the smart thing to do anyways. I mean, they did send out operatives a bunch of other times in several other games to make sure that their mess did not get out. I mean, I feel like that's Hunk's purpose later on in life. Mm-hmm. Like, just to go around and fixing everybody's fuck-ups. That's, that's very much his purpose in life. New game. Capcom? I mean, that's his whole purpose in Raccoon Operation Raccoon City. Him and his entire spec team. Go clean up this mess. And then I feel like Leon... Leon really believed and listened to Shunmei because it wasn't like Jason where he just wanted the world to burn. 
she just wanted mm-hmm. justice for what happened to, Sh- to Junsi. Yeah. And I feel like that's why Leon really like listened to her and helped her out because it was like him with Raccoon City. Yeah. The heart's in the right place. Blah, blah, blah. Though he was pretty forgiving of, you know, her murdering people on the submarine. Yeah, that was that was the thing that bothered (laughs) me with that whole scene. He's like, I hear you and I want to help you. Never said those words, but that's the kind of vibe you got. It's like, let's forget all about the people you murdered cold blood on the submarine. <laughs> well, he also has evidence right in front of him in the form of June C. Yes. While Jason was just like, eh, there's, I think there's a conspiracy going on and we're going against it. What evidence do you have? Shin May can be like, Wilson did this. Okay, I guess I might believe you have some evidence. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason just gave off that creepy bad guy vibe, though, the whole time, so I don't blame Leon for shooting him. <laughs> Terror, fear, classified. His famous word. Bop, bop. Oh, jeez. Take him out now. And then the next thing, let's see what happens next. It's the whole flashback at Panam Stand with the zombies attacking the insurgents and then attacking them. Okay, okay, I didn't get that the time we watched this. I didn't I didn't connect those two together. So the insurgents were the ones because st- I was wondering where did all these zombies come from the whole time we were watching the scene. It's like there were only the soldiers. What happened? Makes sense. After the whole situation that we saw in the very first episode go down, then all of the newly turned ones attacked throughout the village. That makes more sense. Mm-hmm. It was an acrobatic zombie. Was the one that put his like head into like the scope view. Right. How is he Here holding himself up? That was my question. I don't know. Felt Didn't... like he would have just fell. If he's coming down from you know the roof or whatever looking down at just been like Phew. His zombieism gave him really strong legs. So the next part in the episode, basically it was the next part is Shen Mei continuing to explain the situation to Leon and then showing him the chip. Again, the only thing I have to say is Umbrella did clean up better. Yep. Then boom. How convenient the explosion happened right after we got the reveal of a chip, huh? Yeah, it's perfect timing. Perfect timing. And Leon just calling Jason as the accuser. You're right. How he's just like, Jason. It's like, did you see him do it? I mean, it's coincidence. It could have been him, but you didn't show me any proof. In this episode, I saw that Jason did it. He's supposed to be dead. Leon thinks he's dead. Well... Leon knew at that point that Jason had the inhibitor in him because with Shen Mei explaining everything that happened. Yeah, but I would think with the inhibitor, wouldn't it, even if he shot and killed, wouldn't it, it just prevents him from turning, right? It wouldn't help him regenerate, right? Right. If he shot in the chest where they shot him, I would think it's potentially he's gone. Listen, listen. (laughs) I didn't make this show, so... (laughs) It's classified. Yeah, it's classified. Daniel? I just like the finger pointing going on with Leon. Like, that's his new, I hate, I hate Jason. He's, Some, Jason did it. Something happened. Didn't Jason want to help to begin with? Yeah, but Jason's an asshole. Oh, okay, we all believe you. Jason's an asshole. Resident Evil 6, you just randomly hear uh, Leon go, Jason. <laughs> oh my God, that would have been perfect. <laughs> I do find it curious though that the entire building went up in a flash of in seconds it's quick fire I just I don't Jason's got powers Jason's got powers (laughs) well he didn't use them to dodge a bullet so it's the inhibitor calling oh god so in the next scene It's at the Oval Office with Graham and 
Wilson and Ryan. I feel for Ryan. I mean, this whole time he's been like, we can't just, we have no proof it's China. We have no proof. I mean, he's right. I mean, I guess we know better. Because, you know, we watched the episode. But <laughs> I see what he's doing, though, because it is dangerous waters they're treading mm -hmm. by accusing before they have absolute solid proof that it was China that, you know, did the cyber hacking and the sub and <coughs> he's being the smart one. But of course, there's Wilson being bad guy Wilson. Well, yeah, and at this point, it's it's safe to assume that Wilson's responsible for all of this crap. The hacking, the the submarine explosion, the everything. It seems to be all gearing at this point towards Wilson's pushing hard so that they can start a war with China. Wilson! <laughs> I do like that Graham is against it as well, for the most part. But he yeah. he more sees, I think, the no evidence type thing. I know uh, Ryan's torn about it because of he's leads the country. Yeah. Basically, Graham's your your speech giver. You know, he's I, to to me. I feel like he's a second. Basically, he's like, you know, we can't do this. And then Wilson's like, I control the army. He can't do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Shut your face hole. I control the army. <laughs> And of course, like, after all of that goes down when they're leaving, and Claire being innocent little Claire. Come on, guys. She's smarter than that. Stop making Claire seem like she's an idiot. I've never seen Claire go in <laughs> news reporter style. What? I found the suicide note. Oh, my God. Like, Claire's smarter than that. Come on. Mm -hmm. Give her some more credit, guys. <sighs> she always plays like the dumb, innocent character. She's not dumb and... It, well, I mean, she is kind of innocent, but mm. not... She has common sense, okay? She has common sense. Yeah, I feel I like Claire would know not to scream that out. Yes. Come on, guys. Do you like how he didn't react at all when he was accused? I mean, bad guys do that. I mean, most bad guys have some sort of like facial twinge or some sort of subtle reaction. He was just like, I'm a pro at getting accused for a lot of bad things. I'm just going to ignore it and tell her to set up an appointment. He's been in the game. He's been in the game. And I mean, he's been evil for how long? And I don't know about Claire's sense in the movie or in the series per se, because I mean, she did destroy somebody's wall and there's a big conspiracy going on on the wall there so to a normal person she has lost her sense yeah but to us who have known Claire since you know Ari 2 she's smarter than that come on yeah I mean come on yeah I mean they did make her smart enough to piece things together you know but she's also smart enough not to know to scream that out in front of everybody. Hey guys, I found some top secret stuff out <laughs> in the middle of the Oval Office. She has yeah. a little index card that says, if I say this here, will I get in trouble? If I don't, will I get in trouble? <laughs> I'm just glad. I guess I'll get to that when we get to the ending, but I'm just glad about something else in the ending. Hmm. <sighs> So yeah, the next, I mean, the next part is uh, Leon and Shen Mei in front of the ruins of the mansion and her being like, come on, Leon, we gotta do this. And Leon's like, no, because Jason's a bad guy. And <laughs> come on, Leon, I want justice. And he's like, well, he's the bad guy. That's, that's what I got from it. It's like, basically. It's like the perfect reenactment. Justice. Justice, justice. Bad guy. Jason, bad guy. <laughs> I love it. But terror. But terror. Yeah. Did Classified. That, didn't that get mentioned? It oh, did. That, that it might did. Have been Jason monologuing. So 
all jokes aside, I'm glad we got to this part because I do want to make something. I want to. I want to make something known to everyone. I love how mature Leon has become with the intel he has, because he's thinking long game here. Because she wants to turn this in and make it known to the world that the U.S. is responsible for this everything. But Leon's like, no, because it's not the U.S. that's responsible. It's this guy, one guy. So we got to find a way to take just him down and take all responsibility from the U.S. Because now China is going to feel the backlash from this. They've been the accused this whole time. You don't think they're going to want to go for blood for blood here? Like he's become more politically savvy here and more educated in the dissemination of his top secret information. And plus he said it right away too, that they would, they would be after her. Oh yeah. Because yeah, you have to show this and there'll be a trial and everything Mm -hmm. else. That's plenty of time for him to send people out to her. And to whoever else, you know, mm-hmm. and find a way to brush this all under the rug. And, oh, this was this was fake. And, you know, like I've done before. Yep. No, I do. I do love that they've had Leon grow in that aspect. He knows the ins and outs of the workings of the U.S. government. Now, he knows that they're shady. It's not that he's defending them. It's just he he wants to do this in a way that they can't cover it up and the whole United States isn't going to feel the backlash from this. Exactly. Well, he has worked with the government for how long? Mm-hmm. Real closely. So I think, yeah, he's probably learned from that. Well, he also learned, I'm sure, from the Resident Evil uh, 2 experience. He was just a cop. Yeah, well, when he got out, he's like, I'm going to take, we're going to take umbrella down how long did it take after that to take umbrella down it took albert wesker going to trial exactly because even though him claire jill all these people brought evidence it wasn't enough and it kept getting swept under the rug it took albert wesker to come in and narc everything out and make it impossible for the u.s government to wipe anything under the rug for umbrella to go down that's because wesker had other ideas Oh, of course. But again, Leon learned. He's like, ooh, so that's how it's done. Wesker taught baby Leon. (laughs) I don't think so. I don't think so either. (laughs) So now for the final scene. With Claire in her hotel room and the lights go out and... She's like, oh, there's somebody here. See, this is the part where I was going to say that I'm glad. I'm glad they gave her the intelligence to at least know something is up. Mm-hmm. She didn't do the typical horror movie trope that I was expecting, which is click the light on and off. Like, oh, I guess it just shut off on its own. <laughs> yeah. That's why I was like, I'm glad they at least done that for her. I wish she would have smashed this lamp against somebody. I know. Yep, same. I was waiting for that. Smash. I'm going to go ahead and type it up for... Uh, he just crit successed his perception roll. No, plot armor. Plot armor. This had yep. to happen. Plot armor. I mean, we'll understand why in the last episode, but it's had to happen. I still feel like she should have got at least the vase or the lamp busted over at least the first guy's head. Oh, she should have. Yeah, definitely. You could have done that. And he still could have been fine. It's just a lamp. See, <laughs> see, here's the ultimate kicker. I, Ariel, I'm glad you brought up that they were made her smart enough to realize the, the lights are out. I'm upset that they made her stupid in the aspect of she saw two people walk in and she just went for the first one and tried to beat the living life out of this, the first one not expecting the second one to come up and do anything days and why not try fleeing again yeah the, we are Claire smarter than that come on now the only thing I can think of is unless the note was still in the room like mm. not exactly on her person maybe but heat of the moment you know mm. it's like do I attack him do I flee she didn't want them to see her suspect 
I think it's too late for that. <laughs> Plot armor. There's <laughs> clearly a little uh, note in there linked to everything that says plot armor. Plot armor. Maybe she didn't want them to see all the holes she made in the wall from the tax. Well, the government's here for that. <laughs> They're going to make me pay a fee for this. Damn it. Uh, I, again, uh, it's like two steps forward, six steps back when it comes to Claire and Capcom. They like made her really awesome in one CGI movie where she did some really cool, awesome catch of a gun and shot like a bunch of zombies and then was like, here, I don't like guns. What? <laughs> I mean, RE2 would have been played a whole lot differently had she not had a gun. I'm just saying. Yeah, it would have been me not playing Claire at all. Yeah. <laughs> she could have had an umbrella. Hmm. Oh, boy. <laughs> I just... Mm. And that kind of trope carries on throughout all the CGI movies and shows I've noticed with Claire. Like, especially Claire. There's one different one, but we'll get to that one later. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's all I got. Say, that's all I got for the discussion. Daniel, you got anything you want to mention? Never. Oh, boy. Well, I guess that brings us to the end of the episode. So, next episode, we'll be going into episode four of Infinite Darkness. The conclusion. (gasps) Dun, dun, dun. So, until next time, thank you all for listening. Tune in next week. Bye there. Bye there. Damn it. Thanks for joining us tonight on the Resident Evil Lurecast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, tell a friend. Leave a comment and review. If you want to keep chatting with us about all things Resident Evil, you can find us on the Robots Radio Discord. You can also chat with us at RE Lurecast on Twitter. Till next time, stay safe out there. And remember, we might have something that might interest you, stranger.